Chef David Chang and the members of the Recipe Club sift through millions of search results to find the very best way to make the food you want to eat. Each week, they cook three recipes for the same dish, debate them, and ultimately declare the winning recipe. Check out Recipe Club on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. If you've had it with your overpriced wireless plan with its insanely high monthly bill and unexpected overages, then listen to this. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Wow, right? To get this new customer offer, just go to mintmobile.com slash watch. That's mintmobile.com slash watch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for more details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. I need support staff to clear the room. Stand up and walk now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me on the other line, he'd love to tell you about this timeshare opportunity in Madripoor. It's Andy Greenwald. Madripoor is shot to the number one spot on my list of places I want to go post-pandemic. Yeah, yeah. No um, hesitation. Andy, what a glorious Monday in the United States of America, and I'm so happy to be spending it with you talking about culture and life and where the two meet. How are you doing, man? I'm great. I'm great. I'm, I'm uh, you know, we're, it, it, we're in the middle of spring break for my older child, which, you know, is, is just like MTV promised it would be. <laughs> How's Arizona Very, treating you? Yeah, it's nice. Arizona is lovely. It's a dry heat. <laughs> um, I thought that I was not at my best during last week's tapings of The Grind, with Eric Nice, but I yeah. think that I've turned it around so far today. In all seriousness, Chris, I did have a, <laughs> I had an experience that I wanted to share with you. I got some experiences I want to share with you. Hey, can we just say before we get too far yeah. into it, uh, happy birthday to Kaya. It's her birthday. Tomorrow. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. So she's, I she's think almost our- aged out of having to work with us, I think. <laughs> I think she earned, earned out quite some yeah. time ago. Happy <laughs> birthday right. to Kaya. Incredible. Incredible. Even this close to her birthday, just continuing to shovel this nonsense for us. And we appreciate it so much. Um, speaking of nonsense, I, as I mentioned, it was spring break. And so we were in an outdoorsy setting here mm-hmm. in Los Angeles uh, County over the uh, last few days. And uh, there were horses nearby. Mm. Now, not a big, not a big horse guy. I you, think but that, you would think you would be, given the amount of time we've spent with the work of Larry McMurtry over the last 18 months. Yes, which has, honestly, great point. Because we used to sort of talk about horse horse stuff 
like from a, you know, with maybe uh, some irony in our voice, some sarcasm. And that was during the Game of Thrones era. I think we learned to apologize for that because the horse, horse is a beautiful, majestic animal that can also, in a pinch, make a great dinner, as we learned in the Lonesome Dove books. Um, but regardless, I also think I talked about um, back when the world was open and we could travel, how I was actually on a horse in Mexico uh, mm-hmm. like a year and a half ago, which was a very memorable experience for me because I think people know that, um, I think I told the story, but like my younger daughter's really, really excited by horses, loves horses. I don't, do you want to spoil the upcoming season of Narcos or is, it, is that okay? <laughs> it's actually the luck reboot that I'm show running. People have been asking what I'm up to. I'm bringing luck back. And, and fortunately I've run out of it as have <laughs> those poor delicious horses. No. So, uh, she really, loves horses and want to go horseback riding. And in we, we went horseback riding in Mexico and the caballeros immediately like sniffed out the weakest link in the party, me, and put me on the horse first. And I had to have this like rictus grin of like, this is fine and great. I love this. Because you have to convince the children that like- Sure. And you also got to communicate uh, confidence to the horse, right? Yes, which did not work. But right. anyway, so fast forward, um, here we are in a, a more rural setting here in Los Angeles. and And again- my younger daughter's like, can I ride the horses? And my wife called around and, she, and the people who answered were like, she's four? No, she can't ride a horse. <laughs> so respect, as always, to the people of Mexico for having the priorities right, at least in terms of what my family needs. I don't know if the horses agree. But anyway, all I want to say is there were horses nearby and they're beautiful, beautiful horses, beautiful animals. And we would walk by and the horses would be very gentle and uh, come over, but not to me. So mm. I, you know, humble brag as you know i i go running and so i would go running and the horses wouldn't even get up from chewing on the clover like they don't they don't care yeah seen it all done it all heard it all no problem uh but when my wife would walk by they'd be like we sense a common beautiful creature in god's menagerie you know and like come over and like she would pet their noses same thing for my daughters but they seem like much more oriented towards, I guess, the people who were excited to see them. Sure. I was more respectful distance. Anyway, all this is to say, we're leaving, and uh, my family, the the not-me part of my family decides they'd like to go say (laughs) goodbye to these horses and bring them each an apple. Okay. Because horses love to eat eat apples. And sugar cubes, from what I understand. Uh, So, apple. So we go over, and it's a delightful scene. As soon as my wife and children arrive, they, horses amble over. Um, couldn't be more gentle and friendly. Each waits their turn while they each eat a, and really crunch a, no doubt, very expensive organic pink lady apple uh, from our refrigerator. And it's a really nice moment. And then they, the horses are hanging around and my children are like, can I, can I pet its nose or whatever? And There's no, no horse pro- supervision from like the horse ownership, right? No, no, These this is very free- loose. Yeah, okay. This is this is very loose horse ownership. Um, I kept thinking that Kicking Wolf, the horse thief extraordinaire from the Lonesome Dove novels, would have made quick work of this this setup. Very low security. Um, but anyway, the horses are just being very friendly, and I'm like, I think they want. They probably think they're going to get more apples, so I'm like worried they might like start biting or something. I don't know. They're very gentle, but okay. But my wife's like, no, I think they just like me. They just really like me, and at that point. My, my, one of my daughters, my older daughter says, are they boy horses or girl horses? And that's when I realized that the horses are not excited for more apples. They just seem to be extremely excited. Are you serious? I would say that, but not 
not just one, both horses became visibly aroused to the point where I then had to remove my family. This is the weirdest anecdote you have ever opened a podcast with. Well, I could have closed with it. It is the weirdest <laughs> anecdote that ever happened to me. But I think the horses were just randy, and they thought the apples were, we're not like living foreplay. in a Greek mythology tale, though. I mean, maybe they're centaurs. <laughs> I don't know. But is this a thing that happens? Throw it out there for the horse people out there. Do app are apples aphrodisiacs for horses? Do. Do we yeah, are apples build... like the Molly that Zemo was taking at the club in Madripoor? Do we have to raise horse fences higher, just generally? Like, yeah. is this all? Look, Chris, people tune in not for the anecdote specifically, but because we're not afraid to ask the tough questions. No, I hear you, man. So, I'll just paint you a little picture of what I what I did yesterday. Yesterday was was just like actually an all time sports day. So your yeah. boy got up, mm-hmm. got a got got a bagel and some locks. And commenced with, I think, an honestly, like 10 hour sports day. Wow. Watched Phillies sweep the Braves. That was watched great. The incredible national championship game between Arizona and Stanford, women's national basketball championship. Watched Jordan Spieth triumphantly return to the top of the golf world by winning the Texas Open. Mm. Watched a little bit of Angels White Sox. I was in heaven. There's a breeze blowing. My wife mm. made a delicious potato soup from the Julian mm. Tashin book. I'm loving life. This is a hot potato soup? Yeah. That's an 80 degree day in LA yesterday. That's... I, you know what? It was okay. It's amazing. I, it, by the time we had it, it was cool. And I loved... I loved, The soup was great. And I'm just feeling great. I'm feeling really good about life for a second. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I get, get myself into bed. I'm ready to go to bed. Yeah. And... You know, I would imagine if we could look at it on a timeline, sometime around like 2.30, my dreams started getting super weird. Okay. And I, there was something, and I don't know what this says about me, but I know that at one point, I was conducting a job interview with the very controversial public intellectual Jordan Peterson, in which he <laughs> was getting increasingly irate at my line of questioning. And then, in real life, outside of my dream, the fucking planet shook. Yeah. And I was very disrupted. I, I was woken up. I was like, I feel like I was like nauseous for a second or something or just like really wow. disoriented. I was like, what the fuck is happening? We had like a little, a little cluster of quakes last night. We did. And uh, so it's really thrown me off, but my energy is back level again now that I see you. Yeah, I, uh, it's interesting because as, as you know from text messages I sent you, my current hottest take is that California is great. I think it's a great place to live. I think the weather is very, very good. I think it's beautiful outside and there are many places to go. That's Uh my take. Stephen A. Meteorology here. And then, you're right, like around 4 a.m. or whatever, (laughs) Mama Cass California is just like, you sure about that? (laughs) Yeah. Just a little, little, that's interesting that you were having weird dreams. I had a very weird dream uh, as well, but I think it was post-quake. And just to be clear, I, Jordan Peterson's not a guy that I give a lot of uh, mind space to. So it was very strange. And it was also one of those things where you're like, you, this person probably doesn't look like who they are, but like in your mind, you're like, that's, that's who they are. Do you know I don't what think I mean? you have anything to apologize for. It no, sounds like you're really, you're putting the screws to him. You yeah, know what I, I mean? Was, I was. I was holding him accountable. You, you were like the Isaac Chotner interview. Yeah of a public intellectual who who you disagree with. That's fine. Yeah, That's know. all in the public sphere. I, my dream was 
I was very excited to get tickets to Boy, this, the. We're we're, twi- we're in our twilight if we're just telling each other our dreams. I just I thought you should know because I thought this was weird too. I had a dream. I've never had a dream about these people, but it was a Nirvana reunion concert where <laughs> Grohl and Novoselic were the way they are old, but Kurt Cobain had quote recently been resurrected. <laughs> well, it was Easter, and today is his death anniversary, which yeah. is not something I knew or remembered. And That's it was a weird. Nirvana concert. I've never dreamed about Kurt Cobain, never dreamed about Nirvana, but that happened. And then the second part of the dream, we saw our buddy, Tim Simons, uh, TV's Tim Simons, the watch we, podcast. We, like I was in the pot. I was in your dream. No, well, he, he, he's our buddy, but he was oh, in the dream. Right. Okay. And the matter of fact thing about him was that he was also a werewolf and it was cool. It was just like, everybody knew everybody knows Tim's also a werewolf. So you guys just got to watch out. Okay. So here we are. And, 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 you know, I'm pretty into our new podcast schedule. I bet Kaya is too, at least before her birthday anyway, of Fridays, <laughs> Top Chef, Mondays, some Falcon and Winter Soldier, but mostly Dream Talk dream and, and Aroused Horses. I have another topic I'd like to discuss with you. Okay. The Iron Anniversary, mm. which is uh, something yeah. I just learned of today. But I thought it was an interesting conversation topic. So the Iron Anniversary is apparently the anniversary, the 10-year anniversary of the Shocking. debut, the premiere of, of Game of Thrones. Uh, and HBO is celebrating this anniversary in an interesting way. So obviously, a doc about the legacy and the making of and yada yada. I think there's some other extras specific to the show. But it does seem like what HBO is doing to take advantage of this, this date is to kind of uh, lean into the curatorial experience, like turning HBO Max into a curatorial tool for one right. of their legacy archive shows. Now, I don't, I didn't check before I got on the pod, so maybe I'll be proved wrong, but I don't currently, I don't believe they are currently doing this for any of their other sort of signature shows like, like Sopranos or, or with The Wire, but they apparently are going to make a series of playlists, um, some spoiler free, some if you are only looking for the most hysterically bloody twisty episodes right um there's going to be a lot of like personalization for your game of thrones experience they're also going to do a a marathon of the entire uh run but for one thing a i feel old because game of thrones started 10 years ago for another i was just i thought this was noteworthy because so much of what they are kind of pushing forward in this announcement wasn't so much Game of Thrones, which I think Mm. is kind of feels like it never left and will be coming back next year as we've discussed uh, before or soon. But it it is like this idea of a new way to watch Game of Thrones with our in-house streaming service. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's worth noting, you mentioned we're not seeing this for Sopranos or Mad Men or, I'm sorry, not Mad Men, Sopranos or um, The Wire or Dream On is because the Game of Thrones is, is active. It's active IP. And yes, Sopranos, the movie, I think, is finally coming out. I think it's coming out to HBO Max because David Chase, David Chase literally has become Al Pacino in Godfather 3. Like he keeps trying to quit TV and he can't do it. But it's a no brainer to celebrate the anniversary of such an important project and product for the company and for the brand, but also to to do two things, to give it that little spark, that little jolt of life to remind people that it's an active ongoing concern and there's a way to stay connected and perhaps a new way to stay connected. Also, a way to reorient people's brains uh, so that HBO Max is the home of Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. not just HBO where the way you watched it 10 years ago. Yeah. So I think I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I That said, I am also kind of interested, and we, and we keep talking around the margins of this, 
But as these services become a little more entrenched and 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 hopefully you know stabilized in terms of whatever their uh, paid user base is or, or what they're seeking, very interested in the curatorial corners of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I I, uh, I mean, because no, like the thing is, is that we we you know we spent a lot of time last year talking, you know, proportionately about Criterion Channel, and one of the great aspects of that service, aside from its overwhelming uh, contribution to society in terms of its cinema library, is your ability to kind of sort through by director, by country, and make your your sort of watch list so that you never really are out of stuff to watch. And there's all these different ways to explore the service. And, you know, I was talking earlier on TV Concierge with Juliet about how Paramount Plus doesn't have like a watch list MyQ function mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, essentially, I you know, I, I think... There will be some services that are trying to basically keep you on that front page and keep you looking at their top 10, the newest ads popular on the service right now, and then a couple of curated fake genres like, well, rom-coms that happen in the office, you know, kind of things. And then there will be some that are like, we know we have this huge reservoir of stuff. Here's a bunch of different ways for you to like collect it all. Yeah, absolutely. Um, What's interesting to me about this is of all the services that we're talking about outside of Criterion, HBO Max is the one that makes the most sense to not just have, because not just because of the depth of its library, but because of the depth of brand attachment people have to HBO, which might be a reason why they don't rush to this, because they are in this mushy space where they're trying to have it both ways still, as we've discussed, where it's, there's HBO here, but there's also your Max content, and it's all of it all mixed up together and you're not, you're actually undercharged because you get so much of it. I get that. So it might not be the moment to remind people that HBO as HBO was the crown jewel of broadcasting for many years, at yeah. least what in terms of launching this prestige moment that we're all still living in the after effects of. But if and when they choose to do it, one of the criterion, they could, they're the one service that I think that could model another aspect of criterion, which is when they have people on like these little segments like my adventures in movie going like they mm-hmm. had my my buddy alan coming but they have my like, adventures the in westeros yeah megan megan abbott or whatever but they can have people say like you know these were my fundamental tv hours or like this mm-hmm. was my hbo and i think it could be kind of interesting because the the bench is so deep and the quality is so high and there's a lot of different types of shows in different eras so all of that is there and it could very well be that's there. That's where we're headed, and in, if so, starting with it pegged to the most popular franchise, Game of Thrones, and pegged to an important anniversary makes the most sense. Um, What's crazy is it's ten years. Then, I mean, we mm-hmm. didn't even mark this. Maybe we will at least in the podcast. But ten years since Grantland launched, mm-hmm. and I remember very well, kind of, sort of transitioning to being the TV writer. I was just writing about pop culture stuff. And being asked to like, oh, something big happened on this new show last night. You should write about that. Yeah. And so we weren't even, I mean, this is both, we were a little bit behind, or I was definitely behind in terms of watching Game of Thrones. But like, it's funny to think about sort of catching up to it. The first oh thing God. I wrote I, was I about think episode I, I think nine. I, yeah, I think I caught up after the first season was done or maybe midway through the first season. People were just like, you have to watch this. This is so good. And I was like, I don't know, dragons. And then, I mean, it's, it's so weird. This is actually segues nicely into what I want to talk about. It's so weird now to go back to remember the way your brain worked or the way, not even your brain, but like maybe what your preferences were back then. And be like, yeah, you know, like I'm sure it's good, but dragons aren't really my thing or, you know, this Mm -hmm. this kind of like hard fantasy isn't really my thing. And now you're just like, 
Well, I mean, like, you know, here's the thing about Dunkin' Egg. You, you got to understand, you know what I mean? Like, I feel the same way about Marvel. You know what I mean? Like, in 2008, when Iron Man came out, I was solely interested in that personally because of Robert Downey Jr. You know what I mean? Like, the the interest level I had in it was in the execution of it, not necessarily in whether or not they were doing justice to a beloved character and when they would bring in the Mandarin or something like that. And now, as we have kind of hit maximum Marvel at this point. So over the weekend, (laughs) well, I mean, I know, but like we're living in it if we haven't already hit it. We're heading there. So we had a Black Widow trailer, which I want to get to. We had candidly like a fucking dope Loki trailer. Like I'm not trying to sound like, like, like a Stan Lee stand here. That trailer is good as hell and like has everything I kind of want from what these shows can be. And then another episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier with, I think, based on my anecdotal research, an uptick in the who is this character? Where is this going? I think I've solved it. I think it's this. I think it's that Mm -hmm. speculation that popped up around mid-season in WandaVision. So Mm -hmm. they have now, Mm -hmm. on successive shows, created not only a, hey, this is pretty fun. Like I'm enjoying watching this every week. But then a secondary experience of time for me to find out who the power broker is. And time for me to like wonder, you know, like Van and, and Concepcion and a bunch of people were like basically talking to a lot of their Twitter followers this weekend being like, well, who do you think it yeah. is? Is it this person, that person? I did not expect that to, to come from this show. I thought this show was going to be a lot more straightforward, a lot more bare knuckled, a lot more. This is a, an espionage show. So this seems like it's a playbook that they're going to run over and over again. I'm sure Loki is going to have tons of these kinds of mysteries just because of the timeline jumping and shifting and all the different aspects of the universe that they're going to introduce us to. We can talk about all these things specifically. I just wanted to take your temperature on whether Mm -hmm. or not you are like, you know what, honestly, this is a pretty good experience or you know what, honestly, this is a bit much for me right now. And I, you know, I know that we like we. I don't want to be cranky about it because, like, I'm actually a huge Falcon Winter Soldier fan. So, but I just wanted to take your temperature. You mean in terms of all of it hitting at the same time? Like we're all starting of it to hitting feel... at the same time, and it kind of feeling like this is what TV is. Like there is not a ton of oxygen out there once you get past. And maybe that's also because there's not a ton of shows. We're waiting for Mayor of Easttown, but like there's not a ton of scripted stuff coming. It's a great question. I think that it, I I don't really have an opinion because I'm still sort of figuring it out. We are, you know, you you say that we're at maximum Marvel, but I, because we're only in the second show, we haven't yet reached a point that I think we might reach. I mean, if it were up to Kevin Feige and the people at Disney Plus, like that we never will never reach this. But I'm curious if we will reach a point where the shows are so plentiful, but also so diverse that it might one day be possible to not have to consume all of them with the same level of appetite. You know, to your point, Loki just looks like the kind of show I want to watch. It has the tone, it has the performances and the actors specifically. They put Boku juice boxes in in the commercial. Mm -hmm. Like, do you remember that? That is like a Proustian lunchbox thing for kids who were, you know, grew up in the 80s and 90s. I'm very excited about that show. Falcon and Winter Soldier... I enjoy. Maybe it's the nature of the show itself. Maybe it's it it's it's kind of diffuse because if people, other people are saying, you know, it's clearly a six hour, it's a six part movie that they broke up kind of haphazardly. I'm not sure about that. My take on it is that it's it's doing a lot. 
it's doing a lot. And because it is broken up the way it's broken up, I'm not sure what it's the most interested in doing because I keep, you know, you chase one ball and then you chase another one and there are just a lot of balls in the air. And it's really almost crit critic proof at this moment because I'm not sure which which is the show and which is misdirection. So I, I'm, I'm okay with it. I guess what I feel weary about is that expectation that everything fed down the chute is worthy of, or not worthy of, that's not fair, but demands yeah. the same level of passionate curiosity and engagement that I need to know all of it. And yeah. sometimes with something like the power broker, I mean, that is a very vague comic idea character that is being upcycled into the MCU and might prove to be more interesting there than it was in the comics, at least as far as I'm, as far as I know or remember. Um, to me, it, it doesn't matter yet. You know, I, I, it, I, because I don't watch TV and many people do, but I personally don't watch TV as a series of puzzle boxes. I'm cool letting a week or two go without finding out. I'm not really, it doesn't really matter to me if they do the thing where Sharon Carter, and we'll come back to her in a moment, I, no doubt she is the power broker all along. Well, okay. Tell me more about Sharon Carter. That's fine. She's had a pretty chill pandemic blip right. year. You know what I mean? Right. Pretty interested in, uh, in what she's managed to accomplish. But um, yeah, I, I think, I think that's kind of my take on it. I, I know that, what was so impressive about the MCU was the totality of it, that everybody had to experience everything, you know, and that was just, that is just, you know, candy to a multinational corporation beholden to shareholders. The, the bet is that you can then just change the tap and just keep it running and have even more flowing through it now through your streaming box. But I also do think that they are, because they're smart people, mindful of the fact that people have limited amount of free time and free energy, you know, and, and to devote to all this, one would think, especially as yeah. the world opens up again. And they are probably aiming towards a place where not everything is essential, even if so, sometimes it feels like it is. I think that if there's any, like, and I guess with, I can't think of another way of putting this spidey sense going off about any of this stuff. It's that um, what we saw happen kind of in the movie theaters, which is a lot of these franchises essentially, I don't know, necessarily elbowing out the mid-tier mid, mid drama or the, the studio film that was just like a one-off, well-made, you know, uh, genre movie, whether it was like a thriller or a courtroom drama or whatever. Mm -hmm. I guess there's a little bit of like... Um, alarm or sensitivity to the idea that also happening on television where even if invincible for instance is good invincible is now like is that like terriers like i don't know is like is is like another superhero show going to be the superhero show that you should be watching when you're not watching your superhero shows why well, I, I guess that's true and it's that's totally cool but like it does seem to be a little bit uh of a market saturation the thing you're saying about how you're watching the show and whether or not you feel compelled to uh, do a deep dive or to like kind of do it at like a secondary forensic investigation into like all the plot points. When I did, uh, when, when me and fantasy did the um, unstoppable rewatchables mm -hmm. uh, or no, it was, it was, I think it was me and Bill with, with Quentin Tarantino. And um, well, I did a bunch of like Chris Pine research back then. And uh, he gave this interview, I think it was on this YouTube uh, interview show called the off-camera show and the is that guy jordan peterson's show no and the guy asked him uh sam jones asked him how hard is it basically to to play pretend when you're doing like a big budget action movie mm -hmm. like star trek and he's like there are times you know when I, there are times when i went up to to jj abrams during star trek and i was just like 
what the fuck is happening in this scene, man? Like, I don't even understand. And J.J. Abrams said to him, look, you're going to run through the door. You're going to say the line really fast. The camera's going to be coming at you at 50 miles per hour. The music's going to be blaring. And all the audience is going to know is something is fucked up. And I think that is how I am appreciating Falcon and Winter Soldier. It has great tempo. They're moving through these scenes really well. The chemistry among the cast is pretty top-notch. And that was on display, especially between Brule, Sebastian Stan, Anthony Mackie, and Emily Van Camp this episode. Mm-hmm. Wyatt Russell's dynamite. And yeah, do I really like think that the Carly Morgenthau Flag Smashers plotline is uh, illustrating the, the you know economic disparity in, in this planet? No, yeah. but like it's not bothering me because they move <laughs> fast and I'm just like, I just know shit is fucked up. There was big, big, big Atlanta hang energy between <laughs> Brule and yeah. Mackie and Stan. I, and I think that it's the kind of experience you can only have if you've just been apparently granted a lifetime pass to work. You know, yes. they're just yeah. like, this is sweet. You know what I mean? And they just like each other. And, I, and I'm not mad at that. I enjoy that. I enjoy seeing good actors get paychecks and a chance to hang out. Um, okay, well... I do. I mean, I have specific things to say about Falcon and Winter Soldier because I took Let's a week off from it. But I, but I do want to say, broad strokes, um, a concern I will advance, not necessarily specific to the show, but to the Marvel project in general, is this: w- what I hoped for out of the TV shows has is more time and more space and more ability to focus on the types of interesting, sometimes even radical ideas that can populate comic books for which there really just isn't room in a two-hour you know, planet or nation-state smashing spectacle on the big screen. For sure, yeah. And there's, without question, that is happening, right? I mean, all of the ideas about grief or just the weirdness of the conceit of the first few episodes of WandaVision, that's there, you know, the, the, the specifically building a TV show out of this really kind of almost inside jokey idea of the time variance authority as created by the beloved Marvel editor and writer, Mark Grunewald, like that's, that's there in Loki. Like they are showing us that that is what these TV shows can do in ways that the movies couldn't. Falcon and Winter Soldier is almost of a too much type of a situation. Mm. Because if I had been on last week, I would have talked about um, the introduction of Isaiah Bradley character. And, mm-hmm. you know, who is who is based on a really pretty incredible storyline that came out like 20 years ago. Truth, by right? The Truth. Yeah, Red, White, and Blue, The Truth. Um, written by uh, Robert Morales and drawn by Kyle Baker that put forth, you know, every so often, I say, I've said this before on the podcast, there are just a couple, there are these undiscovered pockets that these characters are so worked over in decades of story, but there are there are a couple things, a couple doors never opened, a couple windows never never cracked. And this is one of the big ones, which was the idea that if they were testing a you know a a potentially dangerous, potentially world-changing drug on American GIs, well, real world history suggests they wouldn't test it on white GIs. Um, you know, going back to the Tuskegee experiments, they would test it on potentially on on black GIs. And that Steve Rogers was not the first Captain America, that there was another uh, named Isaiah Bradley who had a more, to say the least, challenging life and reign. His grandson became a hero in his own right in the Young Avengers, et cetera, et cetera. I was really psyched and shocked that they went there Mm -hmm. in episode two of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. 
And what I was saying before about like, which show are we even seeing? It's too early to say like, that is huge. And already, and you know, you credit all the people involved, but we have to credit Malcolm Spellman for this probably first and foremost. There are moments in the show that have not been in other Marvel shows or any mm-hmm. other superhero shows. Even, you know, the, the, the moment when they're almost arrested. Um, the moment when... In Baltimore, yeah. In Baltimore, the moment when when Sam Wilson is, is clowning on the kid for calling him Black Falcon or whatever. That just wouldn't be there, you know? And it's very interesting, and I think a, a good thing that it is there. But there's also, as you said, the Flag Smasher stuff. There's also the new Captain America stuff, which is tied to the racial stuff in a way that I, I'm excited to see if the show will continue going down that line. But it's also Madripoor and Zemo. I mean, there are all these huge ideas from the Captain America mythos being swirled around in here. And this early on, maybe it wouldn't be this way if it was if it was actually a movie, but this early on in a series, I can't tell which one is the motivating one. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so that my concern, trolling, I guess, to a degree, but I think it's more genuine than that, is... I would be psyched if we could just stay there for a minute. Like, let's really think about what that means. I, or what I it almost means for do wish this is like a 12 been. episode show. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and maybe it ultimately will be. Maybe they always planned for a second six episodes or whatever to tell the back half of the story. Maybe this is an ongoing, even though none of them are officially ongoing. We don't know. But so that, that that's where I'm at with the show on a... On a macro um, level. Yeah. No, yeah. And on that level. In terms of like the, the moment to moment entertainment, look, it is very entertaining. I think that my experience watching the first episode and subsequent episodes was different because the first episode, I was like, I had a night to myself and I was like, I'm going to fire up a comic book show. And I was psyched in the same way that I'd be like, clear out space to go to the theater to see one of these movies. Yeah. Last night when I had to catch up and watch the third episode after a long drive, I was like, I'm not in the headspace for this and it's shouting at me. So that colored some of my watch, but that's me. But it's also the nature of we have to watch it because not just for the podcast, but in general, I mean, I waited until Sunday. That's late by the the life cycle of these programs these days. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. If you've had it with your overpriced wireless plan with its insanely high monthly bill and unexpected overages, then listen to this. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Wow, right? To get this new customer offer, just go to mintmobile.com slash watch. That's mintmobile.com slash watch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for more details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, 
view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I thought that this episode was really good with I, I, want, I, want to, I don't want to say having fun, but I think that it it got back to some of the like best of the like the the banter superheroes that we've seen from Marvel, where I think that we kind of deviated a little bit. Every, every every one of these movies and shows has some of it. But I think because the stakes have gotten so much bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm. I mean, they were bigger. They were big in Ultron or whatever. Like, of course, they've always been big. But part of why I liked Iron Man, you know, or part of why I liked, you know, Ragnarok is because they kind of foreground the comedy and have the action movie having happening around it. Mm-hmm. I never looked at Zemo and was like, that guy has a lot of comic potential. This guy could be super funny. And I thought that they did it especially that plane ride where they're talking about Marvin Gaye, they did it in a way that was like, I could kind of see this guy doing this. Like this isn't like a complete total 180 from his character. But at the same time, like one of the things that these TV shows seem to be trying to do is basically rewriting these characters a little bit and being like, well, what if we had like a ton more fun with somebody like Wanda who has essentially been asked to like throw orange fireballs and speak in in a muddy accent? You know what I mean? So I was really excited by that. And this was completely, this is all, you know, leading up to, I, I just want to go back to Madripoor, man. Like, I don't even know if they really went there. I, I was really hoping yeah. for it to be more of like Rob from industry in, in Madripoor. I, I, Matt, sometimes, and this show is testing it more. I mean, when we talked about WandaVision, you know, our general critique was, this tested the limits, not of the hex within the show, but the limits of the kind of emotional storytelling that this show is capable of, you know? And I, I think it pushed the limits, but it ultimately, for me, wasn't as satisfying about where it ended up. This show is definitely pushing the limits of being a grown-up entertainment, for lack of a better word. You know, I mean, it wants to be an action movie. Yeah, and so there's a couple, a couple of, of, uh, of shits. A, a, lot of, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of S mini yeah. bombs uh, <laughs> and a lot of, a lot of violence. A great deal of, yeah. of death and Sh- Sharon, stabbing. Fuck some guys up. Derek Kolstad wrote this episode. He's the John Wick guy. He he wrote the John Wick screenplay. And nobody, the Bob Odenkirk movie that just came out. Which which character is it that like just sort of casually picks up a, like a trident and throws it through a dude in the shipping container yard, and then it like cuts <laughs> away. I'm like, okay. Uh, so yeah, it, it it's it's pushing things in those directions. I think the the thing that I uh, just to go back to quickly to the thing that you were saying, like uh, the best case scenario for Marvel Cinematic Universe is that it becomes like Marvel Comics, where if each time a new writer has a story to tell, the characters always have to sound like they've always been, but they are tweaked circumstantially in ways that are exciting and you know allow writers and artists to leave their mark on them. Um, okay, so Madripoor. Mm-hmm. I also feel both excited and a little bit cheated by it because I love 
people know this. I love it as someone who loves Marvel history. I love it when they go to the weird corners. That's why I really like the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I like it when they when they canonize things that are just maybe were bad ideas at the time or sure. just sort of suspect ones. And Madripoor is this like lawless kind of like nation state of like fictionalized Macau is so good. It's just such like a rich, bizarre thing to have in your cinematic universe to play with. And I think that it's also fanboy bait or fan bait because it's very much connected to Wolverine. Yes. And uh, Wolverine often would hang out there. His, his first solo series was when he was kind of retired there. I sent Chris last night one of my favorite covers ever. It's like Larry Hama's Wolverine, like number eight. And it's Wolverine in a tuxedo with the Gray Hulk when he was, <laughs> that, that was his mindset. And they were like bouncers in Madripoor. Um, the fact that for the purposes of this show, which is doing something very specific and using it in a very specific way, it kind of had that just generalized underground rave Sure. Matrix 2 kind of thing. Yeah, where it's like it was close the people to here have tattoos two. and yeah. shaved heads and machine guns. And we all look up when the record scratches on like the Deep House track from 2003 that's playing. Yeah. That's and not like, as perverse as I wanted. The the word like the drugs are like snake intestines, but nobody's doing like ketamine or molly, but like let's yeah. just pretend, you know? Yes, I think the, I think your industry parable is great. I feel like Madripoor should just basically be like certain parts of London, <laughs> as as written by. by Did our you pals notice over much there. of a distinction between High Town and Low Town? Great point. No, they made a big uh, spectacle about that on the bridge when they're about to drive into Madripoor. He's like, "Here's the thing, man. High Town is like this. Low Town is like that." And then they do a little bit of time in both, and they both seem basically the same, except for yeah. nicer lofts where Sharon's li- were living. If you want to nitpick, I mean, I was curious that Sharon Carter, who, you know, by her own admission, is a fugitive from her own country and has no safe harbor anywhere on Earth, yet she lives in a in a sparkling loft and seems to get her clothes exclusively uh, from Assassin by Ann Taylor. Uh, okay. You know, I'm, fi- I'm fine with that. There, There is just she like, wasn't a, like a big drinking, like face busting character before, was she? And I had, and I, I'll be honest, I, I bumped a little bit on that. Okay, I so she is now that. like Jason Bourne in Jason Bourne, where she's just like bare knuckle fighting and having like yeah. a long pull off of Buffalo Trace, but like, and, and killing a bunch of dudes in a shipyard. But so, she also seems like she's had a, she seems like she's had a pretty mellow time up to right. now. You know what I mean? Like she didn't really like, her appearance didn't seem to evince difficulty. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and I felt the same way about, uh, by the way, no disrespect to Daniel Brutal, who is bringing life and bring, giving me life in the show. But he doesn't necessarily look like he's been maltreated in the German prison. He does look like he personally took on the COVID-19 through the commissary <laughs> food. You know what I mean? Like, he definitely, like, they called him and he was like, oh, do I have to do action? They were like, yeah. And he was like, nine. Like, he just <laughs> went, flew to Atlanta. Can I ask you before? I, I'm sorry. I know we have more to say about Madripoor, which I hope we do see more of, not just in the show, but in the Marvel Cinematic Universe going forward. It is evidence of just like how rich and deep this world is that they could just toss off a place that could be its own show. Sure. And even more so and more naturally and easily than, than I mean, Star dude, Wars can. Like, I don't like to ask for work, you know, <laughs> but get at me about Madripoor nights. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're, they're, like handheld, gritty. Maybe it centers on like a club promoter trying to make it work while the power broker is also peddling super serums. 
Are we just pitching? Because yeah. what I would do is there's a Netflix show that I've mentioned before called uh, Midnight Diner Stories. Like it's a Japanese show and it is so <laughs> no, crazy. No, there's not. No, there's not. Yeah, there's, there's just <laughs> no, a guy who runs <laughs> a diner. Midnight Diner Stories. <laughs> it's called Midnight Diner Tokyo Stories. It's on okay. Netflix and it's about a place in Tokyo that's only open from like midnight to 6 a.m. And the master is there and he makes whatever people want when they come in. And then like someone will come in and she's like a famous TV screenwriter, but she's not writing her truth. And then like, but she wants a certain dish that reminds her of childhood and then she i mean it, it is very chill is this programming. reality show or is this a no oh, okay. it feels like it sometimes because of its commitment to not actually having stakes but okay. i i kind of enjoy it and i feel like uh midnight diner madripoor stories would be an upgrade okay so what i wanted to ask you chris because i know if anyone made it this deep into the podcast they've already heard us confess our dreams i wanted to ask you something about Baron Zemo when we when we meet him. And my question is, and I listen, you are an upstanding guy. I don't foresee I don't see this in your future. But Chris, if you were, if you in ever did confinement. If you ever did run afoul of the law. Sure. You know what I mean? If Johnny Law ever caught up to you. Yeah. Being too good at uh, podcasting. And they were like, you're under arrest. Exactly. You read my mind. What kind of prison guy, Chris, are you? I've and, talked about this a lot. Oh, okay. So here are my questions. Here are the three choices I have. Maybe I don't have enough categories because you've seen more prison movies than I have. Um, are you sw- get swole guy? Like, no. are you just pumping iron no. in your cell? You no. know? Okay. Are you help out in the library slash become spiritual guy? Probably not. Push, pushing the cart, you know, advising the young of, ones. It depends on what kind. Okay, you can finish. What's the third option? The third option is the Baron Zemo option is, are you just sit on your bunk and stare into the middle distance for days, months, possibly years until someone comes to bail you out? I've said this before on other pods. My job would be fixer. My job would be the great uniter. I would move between groups. I would try to like make sure we kept the peace relatively. That's a dangerous gig. Yeah, but you know what I mean? Like it depends on the bid I'm doing, but like you have to make the most of your time. You know what I mean? Otherwise, the t- you, you do the time. Don't, don't let the time do you. What's what incredible, <laughs> Chris, this is actually who you were in New York City between 1999 and 2008. <laughs> like if there were people at a bar sitting at different booths, Chris would float between them. I'd be like, you guys want to go to Madripoor? <laughs> <laughs> you, guys want, you guys, I'm actually personally going to Madripoor. I, you're welcome to come along. Yeah, uh, I... I, uh, I heard there's an open bar at the Madripoor record release party tonight. <laughs> see, my thing is, I, I saw this, maybe this is a reflection of where I'm at, but I was like, you mean I could be in a room with books for just like a while? Yeah. I wanted I was to ask you, psyched. what do you, there's like a brief second when, when Bucky goes into that cell and it's like, Zemo's like, yeah, I've been reading. And Bucky's like, mm-hmm. what are you reading? And then like yes. the world is their oyster at that moment. Know, they obviously get Machiavelli. But like, can you imagine if he was like Richard Ford's Independence Day? <laughs> it's like, I've been reading the Frank Bascom cycle. <laughs> and I really have become nostalgic for a taste of New Jersey that I never knew. Did you know there were root beer restaurants, Bucky? And Bucky would be like, yeah, I fucking know. I'm, I'm 106 years old. <laughs> yeah. My blood is half vibranium, half root beer. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, do you know, mm. with the understanding, the umbrella that like, I just think we're enjoying this like and it it is and maybe it's better because there's not much to read into it. It's just it's fun. I I Um, really like this show a lot. Do you know what they're doing? Like what can you can you grab their goals to to me? No, this is and I've seen a couple of other places point this out, but this is 
this is this style of storytelling to a T to some extent where it's just like task and side quest oriented mm-hmm. business where you're just like, why do you, why do you guys have to do this? And yeah, you're lot, dressed that way. And yeah, okay. right. And I think that I, I can kind of watch the parallel lines of there's John Walker and he's kind of like, there are only certain things I'm allowed to do as Captain America. Right. So I'm going to let these guys go freelance the case, whatever the case is, I guess, trying to track down the, this missing batch of super soldier serums. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm going to track them while they track that. So there's like this kind of cat and mouse thing going there. I uh, honestly don't understand like why there needed to be the first you have to go talk to the to the fence who gets killed and then you have to go talk to the doctor who gets killed and mm-hmm. then at the end we basically find out Sharon's either working for the CIA or is the power broker right like she has like right. whatever is going on she apparently has a personal assistant who drives like a nice car and is like we've got an issue with these guys and also obviously you can't really trust Zemo Yeah and listen Chris what about Zemo though it's right there for us. You could never, never trust him. Um, I wanted to, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned John Walker. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't get to talk about that last week. Kind of, again, maybe represents all my, all my points of view about the show. Good because, enough. yeah, um, mostly good. Let's start with the good, which is Wyatt Russell, fantastic, always. I mean, he, he should be in our cult hero pantheon for this podcast. Just love him as a performer. Love the casting. I, what I really love, though, and what I really admired from the beginning of episode two was just the simplicity of a slightly counterintuitive choice, which is we're left at the end of this first episode in the heads of our the characters we've known, Falcon and Winter Soldier, who are like, F this guy. This mm-hmm. is a disaster. And then episode two begins by letting us meet him. And he seems pretty cool, yeah. pretty decent, you know? And I like that. I just thought that was a great choice and made him a more compelling character for the show and whatever else he has to do going forward. So I really enjoy that dynamic. I wonder in the same way that I wonder if there's simply enough room, and I could be very happily proved wrong about this, but if there's just enough room for all of it, because as someone who knows the character and knows the comic books, the moment when he kind of loses it, you know, and the guy spits at him and that thing, like that is, of course, foreshadowing perhaps some instability or anger issues or, you know, some lack of yeah. He's also got that that loose juice, right? Because he's probably also take. I mean, I'm speculating, but hasn't he probably also taken the serum? Well, that was my next question. So, so basically, so I'm in a state of like I am with the show with this character where I like so much of it, and they're making really good choices, but I'm just I'm unsure, and mm-hmm. we can't say yet, which is probably a boon ultimately, and one of the reasons why they're so smart to release these things weekly. Um, oh my god, can you imagine if this my, was a binge and you were just like, wait, what the fuck just happened? Yeah, you know, it wouldn't work for anybody. I guess my question is, how like. Chris, imagine you were in prison getting swole, right? And you're okay. 10 years like younger. Like I told you, it's not, not on my agenda. But what if it happened? Okay. And then they were like, Chris, we've had a change of, change of, change of administration in Washington, D.C. The, the political winds have shifted. You are no longer under arrest for being too good of a podcaster. You are the new Captain America. Okay, yes. And you were like, bet. That's great. I'm so physically fit now <laughs> that I can do this. And then they were like, here's the shield. Would you immediately be like, thank you? Not only is this a powerful symbol and a great defense, my years of, you know, uh, CrossFit and discus in prison yeah. have put me in a position where throwing this 300 pound hunk of unbreakable metal and having it returned to me like a boomerang in the outback is no big deal. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, would, I feel like even when they said, like, 
John Walker, uh, special ops Navy SEAL hero, you are Captain America. It would take three years minimum. I don't even know how you train for something like that. It's what I'm saying. Are there a so, bunch of Captain America wannabes walking around with no right hand because they were like he, they mishandled the shield? Also, you have to be Captain America. You have to be wild, reckless with a thing that defines you as Captain America. You have to literally, constantly be getting rid of it. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Not even Thor throws his hammer. So you that would much. have more anxiety about losing it. Well, like you mis- uh, immediately, it. right? When he, when he, when they have the convoy battle, this is why I'm. This is the same version of me that, like, you know, when I played Grand Theft Auto, just like talked nicely to people and drove the speed limit. <laughs> like, I, I was mostly worried that he was going to lose the shield without, without question. And I was also thinking, bringing it all the way back to family, was rereading my favorite book of my childhood with my daughter, a Dallaire's book of Greek myths. And one detail that I did not remember: people, a lot of people know the Perseus story. Maybe they saw Clash of the Titans or whatever. They know Medusa. They know they know the hits, right? But what they mm-hmm. don't know is that Perseus's birth. There was this prophecy that his grandfather was told that like your grandson is gonna gonna kill your ass, and he was like, "Oh no, I better That's put like, my wife and son in a Greek chest, story? yeah, and throw, put you out to sea." And then he came back to take over the kingdom, and grandfather was like, "Oh shit!" And like, "Here, you be king. I'm gonna leave, so you never have to." kill me and we'll be fine. And Perseus was like, okay, I'm king now. And he was a great king, but he was also a super fit, swole king, right? <laughs> and so he, while being king, he's also like entering various, like not even Olympic games, like pro-ams around just, Greece. Like fight clubs? Just basically just being an athlete also. Sure. And apparently at one of these, they were like, King Perseus, like you're the best at throwing the discus. And he was like, cool, I am. And he picked up the discus and he threw it, but he did a bad throw and it killed an old man in the crowd who was just trying to enjoy his, his afternoon. Yes. Yes. So, the first Greeks. Of all, dead Acrisius. Perseus was so bummed he never went home again. But Perseus, by the way, spoiler alert, then was just like, I can't go back to Argos. I'll just build a new kingdom and walled city Those and guys rule that were so shit. inventive like they would act like they had a tragedy and then then all but they were like i have to marry these other 17 women but my point is perseus say he was captain greece even he had a bad throw yeah so hey, you, i don't know man you read the comics like does john walker ever have you know like like a donovan mcnab-esque throw on third down <laughs> with this thing he was tired he was winded chris you brought it up, though, and this was the question I was going to ask you over text, and it didn't involve a three-minute detour into Greek mythology. Is he juiced? Is he on the juice? Yes. Or any kind of juice? Yes. Have we seen that? No, but I don't, un- like, how can you have the same powers as those guys unless That's you're on it? That's what I was wondering. It? Right. I thought he wasn't. I thought no, they were just like Bo the new Jackson. Captain America. Yeah, he's <laughs> just, like, very clearly, like, a super soldier. And like, I thought- we found out that there's so much nefarious shit going on in the background with guys getting... Guys getting tested. So, so basically, they found out. Basically, what they did: the the U.S. government in the MCU looked at the history of the Tour de France, and for years they were like, yes. "Why can't Americans win this bike race?" And they were like, "Oh, if we swap our entire blood flow with plastic bags of fresh blood every night, we yeah. can win the Tour de France." And then, as soon as they're like, "No, no, we only want the same blood you came in with," they're like, "Well, Americans can't do this anymore." Right. So this they is- didn't try to float a clean game post. Royd era 
home run hitter. They didn't. They they, they clearly are juicing something. I don't again, think right? so. I don't think this is a guy who like came out and hit twenty. Remember when people used to hit twenty six home runs and it was like, yes. God damn, that guy mashes. You remember like, when Brady Anderson was just like, <laughs> just like I am. I am a workaday. Sorry, Mallory Rubin, cover your ears. Like I am a workaday player. Then he shows up one year, two inches taller and fully bald, and it's like sixty home runs, and everyone's like, what a success story. See, hard work pays off. <laughs> That's like, see, kids, eat your Wheaties. You too could be Captain America. Uh, okay, so I appreciate this because I was really hung up on the fact, not that he was like a tough fighter, because I believe that anyone, look at Sharon Carter in exile, can become a deadly MMA challenger. This is why MMA I was bummed out challenger. he didn't go to Madripoor because you know he would be up in the club telling people like, yeah, you know, I work out a lot. <laughs> uh, today was arm day. So it's cool. It's cool. It's pretty cool. Shield. Happy to show you. I'll throw it if you want to see. Walker, John Walker, yeah. I, I, I just want to know, and maybe we'll get a chance to see this through the the course of the series, but like, I want to know what your Mendoza line caliber Marvel athlete can do with the shield. Okay. So if Sharon Carter picks up the shield, what are the limits of her ability with it? And what would happen if she tried to throw it? I right? don't know. It depends on how much whiskey she's had. Or Sam. Sam yeah. is not juiced or super powered, right? He just has wings and he's kind of a tough guy. And they were giving it to yeah, him. And, and Bucky is juice, though. And he also has the metal arm. Bucky has the Novavax, right? See, like, Bucky has funny, the super soldier like, serum that Putin invented before we even got the mRNA. I understand Bucky's lived for a very long time, and that's right. part of the deal. But it would be funny if Bucky was like a death cab for cutie fan, but had the arm. You know what I mean? Yes. Like He was just like a super normal, just run-of-the-mill guy, but also was like, I have a vibranium arm, so, right. you know... I pitch for the Mariners. <laughs> like, I, I feel like my vibranium arm is a legit Ben Gibbard side project. Probably. Like, that's fine. Okay, so uh, w- this is good, though. I feel like this is a very healthy conversation. We arrived in a good place. I'm trying to just calibrate. I want to know where each of these people are because it's getting messy now. And, and pretty soon you start adding mutants to this. And I just kind of want to know what the baseline is because what I tune into these shows for is just a strict documentarian's version of reality and a fidelity to facts. So we went through this with Wanda where it was like, who's, is Mephisto coming, right? Is it, am mm-hmm. I pronouncing his name wrong? Well, I've always said Mephisto, but, I, but, I, but I've established a precedent of letting you say it that way. Mephisto. <laughs> yeah, that's Mephisto fine. Mephisto is actually going to win Top Chef this season. <laughs> I, I think that is very likely. M apostrophe Fisto. <laughs> um, Let me tell you, give you myself on a plate, my life in hell as the devil. <laughs> do you care about Power Broker? Do we need to, no. do I need to start doing deep dives? No, okay. I, I mean, and, and I say this not to be dismissive, from my perspective, it is sometimes, there are two different strains of, of, of uh, upcycling from the comic books. One is like crucial stuff that, you know, storylines that it'd be good to familiarize yourself with. Like I was saying about the truth storyline about Isaiah Bradley, that they're using that as canon and it's interesting of its own right. There are other things where it's just like stray stray nuggets, stray ideas that they can recalibrate to use for this purpose. And I, that's my sense. I could be wrong, but that's my sense about what this is. Okay. I think we've, we've arrived at a great place, both mm-hmm. with our relationship and this podcast and Falcon and Winter Soldier. So why don't we wrap it up there? We'll be back mm-hmm. on Friday. We have a special guest joining us for Friday's podcast, which is our Top Chef recap show, but we'll also throw in some extra stuff. And just as like a bit of housekeeping, I know we're doing this at like the 53rd minute mark, but we will be covering Falcon and Winter Soldier through its run, but I think we'll also really be dedicating a lot of Monday's show to Mayor of Easttown once it airs towards the end of April 
which I guess would be actually right when Falcon and Winter Soldier's ending. I think so, but we're also, so. yeah, but Kate Winslet is our superhero. That's right. All right, Andy, I'll see you Friday. Great, great job, Bransky. I almost said have a good weekend. Um, the, the horse thing really rattled me. <laughs> Kyle, I want to know if Kyle will ever come back on the Zoom. <laughs> <laughs>